It's 8pm, Tuesday, October the 22nd, 2019 and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Good evening to you and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and this evening's programme focuses on the culinary attributes of Limerick, starting with the iconic milk market in the heart of Limerick City. We'll shortly meet General Manager David Fitzgerald, who will share some of the history of the site and provide excellent reasons to visit. Then we return to Leahy's Farm in Monaghay, outside Newcastle West, for a reminder about the origins of Bally Goat's Cheese and an update since our last visit earlier this year. But before we hear more, let me tell you how you can get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by emailing s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, or check out Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So the milk market in the heart of Limerick City is steeped in history and a culinary gem for food lovers. I recently sat down with General Manager David Fitzgerald to find out more. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. David, whenever it comes to food in Limerick, the milk market is the jewel in the crown. For somebody that's maybe never been to Limerick and has never had the pleasure of visiting the milk market, just tell us a bit about it and its background. Um, So the market is a historic place in terms of food. Um, the, The... body that runs at the Limerick Market Trustees were officially established in 1852 by an act of statute, uh, statute law, uh, but the markets date hundreds of years back prior to that. Um, as far as we're aware, the first charter for markets came over around the same time um, as King John's Castle was constructed, as that old medieval city was been constructed. Markets would have been given the go-ahead from... Um, from the United Kingdom, or Britain at the time, I suppose. Um, so it's it's it markets are very old in in Limerick as a kind of a merchant city, and um, the milk market itself as a site is a couple of years, a hundred years old. The current courtyard, as in its current configuration, dates back to the early kind of um, 1800s, um, and. It's had a couple of different, uh, how would you say, iterations in the last 30 years, particularly in the late 70s, early 80s, it became quite derelict. And in 94, it was redeveloped into the quadrangle courtyard was completely reconstructed and in 2010 the roof went on and I suppose if we take from that stage onwards to 2010 the market has seen a lot of transition in the last 30 years it's become more about artisan local uh, high quality food um, some place kind of experimental food has developed in terms of new recipes and things like that whereas traditionally maybe 30 years ago prior to that it was very much an old fruit and vegetable market and maybe some plants and things like that as well so nowadays you have up to 60 stallholders on a Saturday doing a range of farmers kind of market stalls doing fruit and vegetables 
to people doing something very interesting and innovative like vegan recipes we have Kira from Happy Food and uh, some doing some really interesting stuff with with food uh, that's based on vegan um, and plant based um, but we also have some craft vendors predominantly it's food focused um, but in the last as I say 10-12 years the focus has been more towards artisanal food uh, and local producers as well um, so I suppose if somebody was coming to visit and were wondering what to do uh, it's an absolute must on a Saturday to visit the milk market it's a fantastic space to just experience the the, the, the full senses of the smells and the sound and the chatter uh, you know um, and the colours and the vibrancy of the different stalls um, I would certainly very much uh, recommend it to anyone coming to Limerick to, to visit the milk market and since the roof went on that's made it a much more versatile space so it's not just all about food but you host different events there such as concerts correct uh, so the, the original vision for the for the to roof is supposed to kind of um, address one of the big key issues we have here in Ireland which is weather um, and they found that the footfall would drop by up to 50% when it rains and it rains quite a lot in Limerick as we know so not that much don't <laughs> tell them that let them find it out for themselves so, when they visit so nowadays you're, you're, we're blessed in so far as if it rains we do have cover um, but it still retains that, that real kind of outdoor feel while being protected from the rain uh, and absolutely uh, one of the, the, the kind of I suppose guidelines for the redevelopment was that it was become a multi-purpose space so you have concerts and arts exhibitions and uh, all sorts of civic events go on there. President um, Michael Higgins received the Freedom of Limerick there uh, not a few years back and we've had a whole range of different events, cultural events, uh, music events and things like that. So it's, it's a fantastic space to enjoy a concert or an event as well. You are a major part of the Limerick Food Group and the Milk Market is kind of the epicentre of that group and you have an area upstairs then that you do cookery demonstrations on. Yeah, so we, we became involved with the, I suppose, the Limerick Food Group in the foundation stage in 2015. And it was a group of like-minded individuals across different sectors. Would, it, would some element in food, be it chef, chef industry, um, restaurant food producers, people who were kind of uh, marketing based but had an interest in food the group was came together and it was around the time of the food strategy for Limerick was being developed and the Falch Ireland food story for Limerick was being looked at at the same time a lot of us were coming to these meetings and we said look we really need to kind of formulate a group that can action things and deliver things on the ground so to be fair we've been very lucky that as a group everyone has been there has had the right I suppose motivation and intentions and we've worked very hard to kind of deliver food events and just kind of really raised the bar for Limerick as a food destination um, and as you mentioned the milk market would have I suppose a good, good, good number of producers based there so we've, we, we would have a, a strong presence with Limerick food but it, it goes much beyond the milk market it's, it's, it's some fantastic producers operating all across the Limerick region you've got some fantastic restaurants hotels they're all doing something very dynamic or very interesting um, so we, we're very much uh, welcome being a part of that kind of family of food producers and food businesses and as you mentioned we do some cooking demonstrations so we bring in people from different restaurants and they will demonstrate um, some simple recipes and sometimes some very uh, dynamic recipes where they take produce from the market or from other local producers and they put together something quite unique. When an individual has an idea for a product, they're often told, look, the, the best place to go and test this is at a market. Mm -hmm. And that means that you must be the first 
point of contact and you must be the first person to come across some of the new products that are coming on stream. But it's not just as simple as knocking your door and saying, David, can I have a stall, please? You like to have unique, you don't want to have too much of the same no. and you want to be ahead of the, the curve. For example, you mentioned Kira Brown in there, the Happy Food at Home stall, which is all plant-based. And most recently, I saw a sushi truck inside. Yeah, so, so we get contacted regularly for different foods. Um, and obviously, as you mentioned, we don't want to replicate what we already have. And we're, we're very much cognizant that people are making a living here. So we don't want to be taken from someone else just to give the exact same food stuff another outlet at the market so yeah we, we would get contacted on a regular basis about different people looking to try new new things and new food uh, or existing food with their own kind of slant on it um, we're very much on the lookout for something as you mentioned that's unique and different that we don't have that will kind of uh, add to the offering within the milk market and it also knit together with the community of food people that are at the market um, as you mentioned, kind of vegan and plant-based and sort of, sort of eco-friendly principles have become very important in the last few years particularly. Uh, and that's where you see you have some some interesting food going on there in that, in that segment. Um, as you mentioned, a sushi trader there as well. It, sushi is a funny one because we've it's, 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 it's such um, a distinct food and it's something that we always wanted a presence of having at the market. And we've had different vendors try it and dip their toe in the water. And for various reasons, be it logistics or location, it didn't kind of bed in. But this time we're very lucky that uh, Louise has kind of taken a very brave move to to um, take a presence there in a very much um, in a unique attraction itself, the, the vehicle that she's delivered the sushi from. Um, so we're always on the lookout for something that's different and unique, but also that'll kind of um, embrace and complement that local offering so that the idea might be a global recipe. So it could be sushi, it could be Turkish food, but we like to see that this source ingredients are coming from the locality as well. And this time of year, dare I mention the C word, as we move towards Christmas, markets are always a very special experience yeah. at that time of the year. And you do a few different and festive type events. Absolutely. So um, we kind of do a Christmas at the milk market, kind uh, of embracing that traditional milk market feel which is some extra Christmas um, flavorings and, uh, you know, Christmas um, decorations and festive cheer. Um, so we do a couple of different events. We kind of launch around it. This year we'll be launching on the 13th of December with the the Transitioner Enterprise Market, and that's uh, one of our kind of most exciting ones we do every year. So we have up to 60 schools come in on a Friday. In this case, it's the 13th of um, December, and they will come in and showcase the products they've done, the projects they've done, um, and it's just it's a, it's it's an absolute hive of energy because all these young people have come in with their uh, entrepreneurial ideas and innovations, and they're trying to show them off and. Get, get each other to buy from each other. So it's a very interesting kind of um, uh, spectacle, if you like. And we give out prizes then for the best project, the best team, the best product. So that's the launch of it on the Friday. And then we have the Saturday Christmas market, which will be kind of our food market and craft market with some extra Christmas kind of toppings, if you like. Uh, on the Sunday then, the 15th, we have our Christmas craft fair. And then moving a week forward, we we open again on Friday the 20th of December, and we stay open right through to 
uh, Tuesday the 24th of December so we'll, so we'll have a good few days of Christmas kind of markets going on there um, so we're looking forward to it on this stage. And I'd say there's a lovely atmosphere there on Christmas Eve although people will be anxious to get packed up and yeah. ready for road to get home at an, at, at an early enough time. It's always a special day for us um, because th- there's a kind of a buzz in the air uh, there's also kind of a, a sense of the history of the place and you'll see some of the beautiful pictures as you walk around the market of the old markets um, but also we would have um, some beautiful pictures online as well as a, a trader we have every year Sean Curtin that comes in with his history book and it'll have some beautiful pictures of old Limerick but some market ones as well and one of our favourites that we kind of share with our, our, our uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and our social media followers is pictures of the old uh, the old markets and the very very well dressed uh, ladies coming in with their turkeys under their arm or people just enjoying experience of the market at Christmas time in a black and white kind of setting and it just kind of conjures up that sense of um, belonging and connection with Limerick Milk Market as a physical presence but also with our traditions of food around that kind of time of year and there's a great sense of family and community and friendship around that so it's, it's always a special time of year for us. Fantastic well with that to look forward to in the meantime if people want to find out what's on at the milk market who's trading there where's the best place for them to, to find that information? I suppose your first port of call is the website milkmarket.ie we also have a presence on on Facebook, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so each, either of those platforms will have information on what we're doing and uh, who's with us at the market. Um, the information for Christmas markets will be going out shortly. Um, but they're generally kind of um, similar teams each year with some tweaks here and there. Brilliant. Listen, thanks so much for talking to me no today. Problem. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Looney. to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we heard all about the Limerick Milk Market thanks to General Manager David Fitzgerald. And if you missed that and you're just tuning in now, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come tonight, we're going to return to Leahy's Farm outside Newcastle West in County Limerick for an update on their progress since our first visit earlier this year. Do you remember the story behind Bally Goat's Cheese? Well, let's have a reminder before we return for an update. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Seamus, thanks so much for having me here in your farm in Monaghay. It was great to see a new goat's cheese on the market down in Saunas in Newcastle West. Bally goat's cheese. And it has a very interesting story because you yourself, you obviously grew up on the farm here. How long have have your family been farming? Um, Well, Dad bought the farm 30 years ago. Uh, So he's been here for 30 years and I've been here since I was born. So I'm 26 now. So I'm here 26 years and doing it. Um, so we started goats um, when I was in secondary school. We started rearing them from Bohar for the charity. Um, and I always had a little passion and love for them. So my dad said I had to finish college and get a degree first. So 
Uh, when I finished college, I just got into goats and we started start milking goats. So you were you were breeding the goats for Bohar, you know, at Christmas time, whenever they go out yeah. to the um, the third world countries. Third world countries, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we started milking goats in in October of two thousand seventeen, and we started playing cordial goat cheese and fireys near Killarney, and we were playing him for a, over just over a year, and he got out of business. So we had the goats, we had the milk, and we, we decided we had no market for it, so we had to do something. So we. Decided to buy the business off of Shane O'Leary, and this is where Bally Ghost Cheese came from. It's a soft goat's cheese because not all goat's cheeses are the same, and there's three different flavors. Yeah, so it's a soft goat's cheese. It's uh, it's very mild in in taste, and um, it's kind of a lemony kind of taste as well. Uh, we do three flavors: the original, honey and chili, and garlic and thyme. And whenever you say it's lemony in taste, is that because of what you feed the goats? Uh, it's just the ingredients that we're that they're using to production. Uh, obviously, it's going to be the secret ingredient. We're oh, putting we have there. a secret, secret ingredient, ingredient that, you add that, to that, it. that we add to it, and it kind of gives it that kind of zesty uh, taste. Um, especially, you can get it really in the original um, cheese more than the than the two flavoured cheeses, but it's kind of gives that zesty, and that's what chefs and the public seem to like. And of course, our very own Tom Flavin, who is the executive head chef in the Limerick Strand Hotel, he's probably one of the first chefs that you've that has taken it off you and that is using it and is very much actively promoting it. Yeah, there. Tom was the first chef in Limerick to take to take cheese. Uh, he's taking two to three or four batches of it now, um, and he seems to be taking a lot of it. Um, he's been very good. He's been very supportive to us. Uh, gave us a lot of um, information and pass on our details to to more chefs. So it's generating more business. Now I've had a look around the farm. Thanks so much for the tour. And it's not just goats that are here. You also have is it beef cattle? Yeah, we also do a bit of beef cattle. We're cutting back on the beef cattle and hoping to concentrate more on the goats. <clears throat> just with the industry at the minute, with the beef industry, um, the money isn't isn't in them. Uh, they're they're costing money to keep them more than the much you're making of them. So we're starting to cut back on the beef. Um, we have sheep as well. Uh, so we we lamb yous in December and we kill the lambs in around. To, to butchers around Easter time. Having met you in a previous life, I always thought that sheep were your passion. Like out of all the animals you could have on a farm, yeah. you would take sheep and show them at the, the agriculture shows. Uh, well, goats would be our first passion for showing. Um, so we do a lot of shows with goats. Uh, we do the Limerick, Newcastle West, Kilgarvan, Tralee and the Cork show. Um, so we've, we've been quite successful the last number of years. We've quite a lot of championships, one with the goats. Um, we've got into pedigree sheep in the last two years so we've kind of taken them to shows in the last two years we've been successful enough um, but hopefully this year we might we might get some sort of an All-Ireland or something And were you the first person to show a goat in at the Limerick show? Yeah, I was the first person in 2008 um, at the Limerick show so it's just 11 years ago now uh, I was the first person to show goats there and the first person in Newcastle West as well to have to show goats and to, to show in Newcastle All in all, how many animals do you have here on the farm? Oh God, I don't know, there's probably there's about 300... We're not include the cats and yeah. the dogs. <laughs> there's about 300 goats, this was, and then there were 100 yews and but over, just over 100 cattle. Well. And whenever I looked at the goats, there's a lot of them white, but there's one or two black ones in there. Yeah, so we've, most of them are white, they're called a salmon. Uh, they would be originally kind of from Holland, they'd be more for the milk production. Uh, whereas then you have your Toggenbergs, which are brown, and you have British Alpines, which are the black ones, and then you have the ones with the, the hanging down ears, they're called Anglo-Nubians. So they'd be for more for milk solids, they increase milk solids to get a higher return on the volume of milk for the cheese per kilo. 
like all of these things there is a lot of science behind it that the end user doesn't actually appreciate because you're trying to get the best yield out of them so what does that involve from a husbandry perspective yeah so we we were using um a dairy and beef ration a normal cow dairy and beef ration um but howard's and mallow they're a feed company they formulated especially goat mix for us it was quite expensive but what we found is the goats are doing better on it uh, we've better better quality milk and you get a higher yield in your on your cheese as well uh, so it's been it's been quite successful but it, it is it is expensive but it's, it's worth it in the long run and are they indoors and outdoors for part of the year or is it all inside no we keep them inside full time um it's just for husbandry point of view um parasites just they're very they're they're very susceptible to getting worms and fluke so it's easier to keep them inside we draw the grass into them so with zero grizz so we have um shane broder he's up there in now and fiona he Zero grazes for us during the summer months, and um, it just it seems to be working quite quite well. And we feed them maize silage as well over the winter. And you have been milking them once a day up until now, but you're going to move to twice a day. Yeah, so um, just we didn't need the volume of milk for at the minute, but from next week on, the cheese orders have started to flow in, so we need to start increasing our increasing what we're making in the cheese. So we're going to go to twice a day. This is not your full time job. You're away no. teaching Monday to Friday in Dublin. Yeah, uh, so I'm currently teaching home economics in Donabay Community College in Dublin. And absolutely love it. So I suppose I have to have the food gene somewhere, somewhere sore to me. Nevin Maguire would love you now. He wouldn't. <laughs> have you seen his new book, the the Home Economics for Life book? I haven't. No. Yeah, you must have a look at that I now because it. you know Nevin Maguire was the only boy in his school to do home e- economics back in the day. Well, it's not that long ago. Just in case he's listening, <laughs> I think so. I'm trying to say he's extremely old. He's yeah, not. And um, um, so he's very pro home economics he in is, yeah. school and. Tell me about the students that you're teaching. Are is it predominantly female students? Yeah, like in my in my leaving cert class, I've, there's there's no male, it's only all girls. And my fifth year class, I've one male. Um, and there's in the other sixth year classes, one male doing home economics. When I was in school in SMI in Newcastle West, <clears throat> there was only two of us, two males in the class, myself and the teacher's son, Mrs. Hogan's son uh, from Drunk Her, Kieran. There was uh, just the two of us in the class. Um, so it was you know we were. And did he go on to pursue a career in the kitchen? No, he's farming as well. Okay. He's farming, full-time dairy farming. Well, they are very closely linked, aren't they? Farming and cooking. And your father was saying to me out in the yard there that he cannot understand people that cannot cook. It absolutely baffles him. Yeah, um, look, I suppose I can see it from when when I'm in the kitchen with students cooking, like... There's a lot of them that they can, they can cook. Um, as I was telling you, I had one person that burnt a chicken curry and set set fire alarms and and everything off. Um, you know they just there's people just don't have it. These just these are going to Super Value or Duns or Laldi or somewhere. They get their ready meals. They can order a takeaway, deliver it to the house. You know they just eat up or some whatever it's called on the phone, and it's delivered to their door in in minutes. And it's just a lot handier than. And what types of dishes are on the curriculum now? Like, what do you go through in home home economics? What are they learning? Well, I try to cook basic dishes that they can actually cook themselves at home. That they, you know, something that they will have an interest in cooking. Um, so kind of bolognese, curries, um, even you know, pasta bolognese, different things like that. Very um, practical because it is pra- a life skill. Yeah, it's practical. It's practical. You know, you don't want to be cooking something fancy like you know that they're not going to eat. Um, like I cooked bread and butter pudding the other day. Absolute disaster because none of them, none of them would eat it. 
they couldn't figure out how you could have uh, bread and butter as a dessert. It just maybe, didn't. Maybe that's a regional thing, though, yeah. in Dublin. I think that yeah. might go down very well here, would yeah, it not? Yeah, like, so like, <laughs> most of them wouldn't, they cooked it and they would decide they wouldn't eat it, so they left it and took it up to the staff room and sure, it was there for about two or three minutes and they had it, they they had it, they had it devoured, yeah. And this, you know, this, this is probably the regional thing is that it wouldn't be used to eating stuff like that. Yeah, because I um, have an American group coming to visit later this year and the, the guide had said, make sure there's bread and butter pudding on the menu because they absolutely love bread and Go butter on. pudding. They're fascinated by it. Yeah. And it is, you know, it's such an easy dish to such make. Such an easy dish to and, make, yeah. And a great leftover dish to yeah, make. Yeah, or even crumbles. Like we made crumbles now yesterday. We were making crumbles the first years and they, they absolutely loved it. Um, and they were they were they were really nice, but as you know, your travel home teacher, you have to taste all the dishes as well and give them a bit of feedback on them, um, which can be can be good and bad. You know, I was, <laughs> I was doing third year practicals lately, and um, some of the chicken I got was actually raw. Signed some of okay, the dishes. Yeah. Um, you know, it was burnt on the outside, and how they managed it again, but it was raw. It was pink in the middle. So it must be very challenging juggling the two. You're going to keep going in this way for the next few years, or yeah, what, it is, what it would is, you like to, yeah. to see changing? Yeah, it's very challenging to join juggle the teaching and the and the and the cheese and the farm. Um, so I suppose from September I won't be going back. Won't be back to if I can get around locally. Um, I'll take a job locally, but I won't be won't be going venturing too far. It's just you know, um, I'd like to stay at home as much as I could. You know, even like in the evenings, it's just. You know, when I finish school in the evenings, I'm trying to do emails and phone calls, and it's very hard to try and juggle to get someone to meet chefs when you know when you're saying, "Oh, okay, will someone meet you tomorrow?" And then you try and ring home to make sure that there's someone around to meet the chefs, and it's you know it's hard to. Whereas if you're at home, at least you when you if you finish school at four o'clock, you can if you have a cooler bag, you can keep it in the car all day, and you can go meet your chefs after school or something. Your parents are very hands on. Your mother goes down to fireys, doesn't she? Yeah, so, twice a week, is it? Yeah, so um. She makes it usually on a Wednesday and then the two of us go down on a Saturday and make it again. So we'll be going down after later on. Yeah. Okay, later. I, I hope I'm not holding you back. No, you're not. No, no, stop. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we'll, we'll go back and we'll make it and again. And it's, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's nice. It's kind of it's therapeutic because it's, 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 it's a handmade product. Um, so it's, um, it's made in small batches of five kilos. It's, it's, it's quite time consuming, but it's, it's therapeutic as well. You know, it's. You relaxing. enjoy it. You obviously yeah. very much enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's it's nice, and then it's you know it's great to get when it goes to a chef and you get the feedback. It's it's absolutely wonderful, like to to get the feedback. And um, I see, you know, there was even Cree restaurant in Tralee. They had um, an article in the Kerry's Eye last week. It was the Kerry Food Initiative or something, and actually our ghost cheese was was in their picture. Fantastic. So it's you know it's great to see stuff like that like that. It's getting coverage and it's getting to be known out there. Yeah, yeah, and it's wonderful. To, you know, to, when you when you're talking to and they're this is absolutely wonderful product. Or, um, you know, even Mary Fitzgerald from the Woodlands House Hotel, uh, sent me a text on Saturday to tell me how wonderful the product was. And that you know, it's, it's lovely to get those texts and those absolutely. that feedback from 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 these industry experts. Like, so I know you can get it in Sauna's Health Food in Newcastle West, and you've mentioned Tom Flavin and the Fitzgerald's mm. Woodlands Hotel. Where else? can people get it so steve's um service station in duo and with some brideys and fireys as well that's kind of all the shops we've got ventured into yet and uh, we're starting well my mother's starting the food academy program monday with in, super value yeah in it's actually in Chile she's doing it because we're 
because the food was based in Kerry. Uh, so she's certain that. So hopefully we've been super values in the not so distant future. So the milk comes from the farm here just outside Newcastle West and then you take it down to the food hub in Fireys in County Kerry yeah. to, to make it. You said there about there's the original flavour, there's the honey and chilli and there's the garlic and thyme. Which one is the most popular? The original. The original uh, well, is. Well, all chefs take the original bar. Well, there's maybe one or two hotels that take the honey and chilli. Um, but um, what we've seen actually from the sales, especially in Sona's, it's the original cheese. Really? Because flying uh, out the door. Because my favourite is definitely the honey and chilli. I love it. Which yeah. one's your favourite? Garlic and thyme. Really? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it great now that there is such difference in taste there? And have you any plans to add to the range in terms of flavours. Yeah, so the plan, the plan would be kind of once I finish school in in May, the end of May, would be to kind of concentrate maybe on developing a maybe kind of a hard cheese, or even a feta style Greek style feta cheese. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm looking into different because I'm I'm friends with a with a guy in in Wales. Um, he's only kind of the same age as me, and he only started off in goats as well last year. And um, he's making he's, he's doing cheese as well. So we're kind of kind of working kind of together and. Um, kind of passing ideas bounce with, ideas yeah, off each, other. each so other yeah it must be great to have somebody like that that you can talk to and there's no threat of competition well that's, yeah and it's yeah you know it's great to someone your own age as well that has the same interests as well that you know you can bounce ideas and he's he also rears his male kids for for meat um so we're going to plan on doing that as well that we will have goat burgers or goat sausages for sale maybe over the summer months so we're going to food fairs things like that We'll be able to carry our barbecues with us and sell so goat sausages and burgers. More flavours and more products branching into meat. If you had a crystal ball and you could look into it and see five years, ten years down the line, yeah. what what would you look at? What would you be seeing in that crystal ball? Yeah, um, well, I'd be hoping to, to, to go into the um, liquid milk industry. Um, so, you know, producing liquid milk in bottles for, for sale in shops. Goat's milk. Yeah, there seems to be a huge demand for that. Um, and actually, I see... Only last night on Facebook, at the Goat, Mil- Goat Milking Association in the UK, and they're advising people in the UK not to get into milking goats because the um, the big producer or big big companies in the UK have actually pulled their contracts with the farmers because of Brexit. They from the thirty first of March their season production, uh, so a lot of the farms there's actually a big auction of nearly fourteen hundred milking goats in in Cornwall in the UK today. Um, they, they, they have no export markets they're, they're trying to pull back so I think there probably will be um, a demand there for that because you know England are quite big suppliers of goat's milk um, to, to mainland Europe um, so you know when if that's if you know when they're these big companies are getting out and you know there's about I'd say maybe 20,000 goats for sale in the next couple of weeks in the UK so well, where's where that market going to be filled? I think there's definitely going to be a market there for that. <clears throat> so know, Brexit in, in the, is actually posing an opportunity for you in that regard. I, I would think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I'm seeing from from the from the industry in the UK. They seem to be losing their the UK or they seem to be losing the mainland Europe markets. Um, so we don't know. So we don't know what's going to happen with Brexit yet. It's going to be very hard to know. But and that's what the the look the look is is at the minute anyway. If a chef is listening or maybe a nice food outlet that would like to, to stock your product, mm-hmm. what's the best way for them to get more information or to make contact with you? Yeah, so um, we're Belly Ghost Cheese on Facebook. Just give us a like. Uh, you can message us there. Our contact details are all there. Um, you can email us as well. It's leahyfarmfoods at gmail.com. Um, and just give us an email or give us a like us on Facebook. 
Fantastic. Well, listen, congratulations on the new business. I, I'm sure it's going to have a great future for you. And thanks so much for talking to me about it today. Thanks very much for giving us the opportunity to talk about it on with number one or two. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and earlier on tonight's programme we heard all about the Limerick milk market thanks to General Manager David Fitzgerald and just before the break we had a reminder of the story behind Bally Goat's Cheese when I visited earlier this year. Well a more recent visit revealed the success enjoyed by the cheese at this year's Blossnerin Irish Food Awards and so much more. Let's have a listen to what Seamus and Breda Leahy told me when I visited yesterday. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. So Seamus and Breda, it's great to be back here at Leahy Farm. Congratulations on your success at this year's Blossnerin Irish Food Awards. You got a bronze for the Bally Goat's Cheese. And the last time I was here, Seamus, you were talking about what you were hoping to do with the company. And um, I think it's just interesting to point out that 12 months ago, Breda, you said to me down in Dingle, 12 months ago you were at the Dingle Food Festival as a visitor and little did you know that 12 months later you'd be there as an award-winning producer. That's right, yes. So how does it feel to have your first award, which I'm sure is the first of many awards, under your belt? Yeah, we were we were actually quite shocked. We went to the awards ceremony to actually get bronze. Um, so we got bronze with the original cheese. Um, so yeah, we were delighted. We were very happy, so... Onwards and upwards now. And you've entered it for another couple of awards. We won't say anything about those. Next time we speak, you'll have news about that. Hopefully, fingers crossed. The other thing that you had mentioned to me in the previous visit, Seamus, was about developing the range, not just in cheese, but in other products. Yeah, so um, that's when we were here, so we were talking about uh, our goat meat range. Um, so we've successfully done that now. Um, we're in a number of restaurants in Kerry and Limerick. Um, and we're also developing just a few new products so some of the chefs that are working in the hotels with us are, are developing products for us so we'll just keep the eyes and ears open we'll see what's about to come along the market I have come across Billy Burgers so Goat Burgers at various different festivals is this something that you think there's potential for in West Limerick and beyond? Yeah so um, we're actually going to call them Belly Burgers so they're kind of similar but there's, there's still a difference um, we're just going to try and keep everything the same name as well as under Belly um, for branding purposes just for to brand- reinforce the message there yeah and just kind of maybe get you know have that one brand of belly just everything to it everything to a goat um, that would be our kind of overall picture long term um, so yeah we we have developed burgers um, so we're just we're just trying it out now and seeing how what they're going like so we're giving out t- tasters and samples to people and just seeing what's what the reaction is the reaction so far has been very good like um, we told one person that we that there were beef burgers and they didn't know the difference so I don't it's just perception of eating of eating goat is the problem and goat is a very lean meat so does that mean that the burgers are a healthier alternative to your standard beef burger yeah so there's very little fat in goat meat and it's high in protein but to get the burgers to sit and to stay together or partially has to be touched percent pork fat added but it's something we're looking into that maybe either some substitute we can use instead of the of the pork fat to make a healthier so um, we'll have to see it's, it's only all in, in, um, 
thinking about your stage at the moment. And you also mentioned milk, liquid milk, doing liquid products. Is that something that you've progressed? Because the last time we spoke, we were talking about Brexit as well and the impact that Brexit has had on goat farmers over in the UK. Yeah, so we're actually, uh, the last week we were kind of getting prices for machines and getting getting trying to get funding to do that. So hopefully by the end of the week we should know more of what, what we're going to do. But that's the, the plan for kind of the middle generator we go into the milk. Abrida, tell me, how do you feel about all these new developments on the farm here? I had never envisaged anything like this, um, you know, at this, this stage in my life. But, I mean, there was something I always wanted to do was to have, to be do a business of our own, basically, you know. So I'm very proud of the whole family that we have pulled together and got this far. And whenever you think about Seamus many years ago showing his goats at the, the, the agriculture show in Limerick and in Newcastle West, you didn't envisage for one minute Never that during the in line. my lifetime did I, did I think we'd actually be making cheese or, you know, doing anything like this, you know. So um, it is great. Like, I mean, it's just a new venture and hopefully this be onwards and upwards. And did you say to me, Seamus, that one of the reasons you got into goats was because of Boher? Yeah, we, we um, well, when we, I was getting, buying kids from like different farms, things like that, and um, we were getting from Artella one time, and uh, the condition was that uh, I had to give three of the kids back to Boer, so that's kind of, started, we started doing that then as well. So we give kids support in every couple of years. And is that something that you continue to do and yeah, you so will continue yeah, so to do? Yeah, every two years I think they do a shipment. Um, so it kind of time to do it. So they, they, they do, do cattle kind of one year and they do goats another year. So I can like we even do every two, every second year and something we give them. So. And, and whenever you're having goats and whenever you're breeding them, is it, it's normally that you want the females for the milk yeah, so for, for either milk to drink or milk to mm. use for products and the boys are usually we don't really want the boys but no. do the boys are they used then for meat no I suppose we probably be one of the well we are as far as I know we're probably one of the only farms in, in the republic here that actually utilise everything from from the from the offspring so we the females are, are used for replacements are used to expand the herd and then the males are used for meat whereas most farms unfortunately um, due to the value of the goats and they don't have the facilities and things to, to rear them they're they're utilized at birth um you know, some of them are given there's another people there's people up the west of ireland who also um take from other farms but most farms will be unfortunately utilize them this it's just there's no market value for them uh, so we, we, we would be unique in that where I suppose, you know, it's kind of ethical farming and all that kind of stuff. They're not reputed for being very meaty. Yeah. They're quite a lean animal. Yeah, so um, they're not, um, you know, the goats we have are, they're like, as we call them, the holistic of, of goats, you know, they're, they're, they're bred for milk. You know, they're, they're, they're all, nat- if you look at them, they're naturally going to be looking kind of, of kind of thin anyway, even though they would have a coat condition on them, but they're never going to be fat like. Um, so, but still, we're getting about 20 kilos um, carcass weight from, from the kids' dead. So they're, that means they're about 40 kilos um, live weight after about seven months. Month, which is good, um, but it's, it's a very specialized market, you know. There's the market, the market for gold meat is quite small at the minute, um, but I think it's definitely growing, it is, yeah. Um, people's perception is changing, but I suppose when they hear goat, it's like, oh, kid, you know, it's that, that, that association. So, we don't sell goat, we don't sell kid meat, we sell goat meat, because uh, when people hear kid meat, they're like, what, you know, it's kind of a shock, you know, that you're killing kids or something. Okay. I don't know what it is. Okay. But um, yeah, no, so it's, it's goat meat. Um, 
So there's a bit of education involved there and then the Goatober campaign is probably quite good at spreading the word about the availability of the meat and encouraging people to maybe try it. Yeah, so like um this like it is October in food foodie terms is known as Goatober and um yeah, like when I said it to chefs, they're like, yeah, definitely, and do really kind of um, influence people taking on the on on the meat. So it's good. So tell us a bit about the different types of dishes that the chefs are making with the goat meat. Um, okay, so um, like the Limerick Strand, Tom Flavin, a native of Monaghan here, would have made a goat curry, and he also with goat tacos. Uh, I think that kind of thing. that's all he made, wasn't it? Yeah. And then Keith in the good room in a dare done um a kind of a ragu style goat dish one time and then he done go tacos and uh, kinda of changes around um then Cree restaurant in Tralee He's also from West Limerick here. Noel Keen, yeah. Um he done um he did a chump of goat and he'll just he did he he butchered a goat up and he served different parts of the goat. So it's great so. to have very high caliber chefs like that doing very delicious dishes. Oh the delicious goat. dishes, yeah, yeah. And they all look they all look gorgeous and I tasted a few of them and they they were like they were really, really good. They were they were lovely now. And you're part of the group that is aiming to put West Limerick on the map as a food destination. So you have a lovely event coming up, an invitation-only event coming up here at the farm, and a lot of those dishes are going to be showcased at the time alongside other dishes that can be made using West Limerick produce. Yeah, so on the 12th of November, it's an invite-only event. Um, we're, we're, we're showcasing uh, West Limerick food tourism. Um, so we're on the night we're probably going to have three or four goat dishes um, I suppose you know it's, it's been held here on Valley Goat Farm so we want to showcase what we can do what what the projects that we have um, can actually can actually be like and suppose, you know get, get get our name out there um, and it's, but look there's going to be a lot of other projects from like Cotter Organic Lamb is going to be there there's going to be Carolyn Rigney's pork. Um, I can't think of anything else. I don't want to leave anyone out. Springfield. Yeah, Springfield Castle are going to have stuff there. So there's going to be a lot of food from Gourmet Green, Abbey Field, you know, all, all the um, kind of the local um, eateries are all going to have. And it's great to see the food producers in the area and the restaurateurs and the cafes all coming together to really push the area as a food destination. And it's an initiative that is spearheaded by West Limerick Resources. So there's been a number of different workshops and one of them was focusing on digital marketing and social media. So you're, you've really upped your social media game since then if people want to find you on Instagram, for example. Yeah, so we're at, at Belly Go Farm on Instagram. Uh, we set it up last week after the, after the social media conference. Um, and actually, like I haven't done much on it yet because I've just been so busy over the weekend, but um, I actually I've got a quite a lot of followers. So I'm actually surprised with that. And a few of the chefs, I just look at my phone, you see the names of the chefs coming up and like what are they what do they want and they are following us on Belly Go Farm so we're delighted with that that's fantastic yeah yeah and like we've, we've no posts or anything or pictures or anything up yet it's just it's all new and you'll get great content then on the night of the event yeah yeah and even just you know even just taking photos of the goats because they're very curious animals so they always produce good pictures and you know whatever way they kind of do so um, yeah we get, we get good content from them hopefully and you'll want people then to use the hashtag Bally Goats 
Yeah, hashtag Valley Goat Farm and hashtag West Limerick Food. They're kind of the two the two um, hashtags for the for the night of the event. So people, if people just keep an eye out on social media. They'll see plenty on the Facebook page and the Instagram page. And our food tours something that you're planning to do down the line if there's enough demand for them? Um, yeah, yeah, but like I say, it will be booking only. Because um, it is a working farm at the end of the day, you just can't have people rocking up and expecting to be shown around the place. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be booking only by appointment and um, again, the price will depend on what, what the visitor wants, you know, if they want a sample of meat, a sample of cheese, you know, there will be costs associated with that. Um, but we're also hoping to do educational tours so for local schools to come out and see, you know, from the milk coming out from the other of the goat into the tank and they can't see the cheese production facility but we show them the end product of the cheese then and they'll see the you know the male kids and you know they'll see the finished product the meat products as well so that's kind of the aim and that's ideal for you given your teaching background that's what your profession is that's what the day job was earlier on this year yeah so it's you know it's um yeah, it's a good link, you know, to have just trying to keep the education thing going as well at the same time. And I suppose I, because last year I was teaching home economics in Dublin, I found that there was a complete, um, you know, students and they didn't have a, any connect with where their food came from. It, it comes from the shelf in Tesco. Um, you know, that was it. They didn't start stupid. They didn't know what what an animal was, a sheep, a cow, or a pig, a goat. Like, you know, they, they didn't know what these animals were. So. Um, I remember bacon didn't know where what animal it came from so like you have that discontent so there that's um, yeah it's like, you know, it's nice to just get that link back together hopefully. Yeah. do you think it's something that we take very much for granted whenever we're from a rural community as Definitely. opposed to the city but, but you, you were definitely have, shocked by it yeah yeah uh, I remember a few years ago we were actually we were into poultry going back you know Avril Seamus and Norma were really we were at a fair one day and somebody came up and they, this lady must have been 30 and she couldn't actually believe where an egg came from she said oh, I always just thought it was cotton put into a garden and oh, that caught and put into a garden yeah you know, so that's the that's the perception that's out there, like with a lot of the young crowd, you know, young and old maybe alike. Yeah. And that's why food festivals and agriculture shows and events of that nature are really fantastic from an education perspective. Yeah, but that's where we're trying, hopefully, like you know, to get if we can get schools out here that we can actually show them from farm to fork and zero air miles or zero zero road miles as well. I suppose really, you know, everything you know, we're trying to keep everything here within the West Limerick area, so. The goats are, are said, are bred, born, and raised here on on the farm in 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 And um, they go to slaughter to Ashgrove Meats, and they're distributed in by ourselves. So, like you know, it's everything is kind of is kept local, and it's all about supporting local as well, supporting local jobs. You know, by supporting by supporting Ashgrove Meats, we're supporting local jobs again, and it's you know it's a knock on effect again around the community. Like. The sustainability side of it's very important. It to is, you. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know it's, it's all about supporting local without without the locals, we wouldn't be in business this long. You know, we wouldn't. Have Ten months, you know, without the local support. You know. Well, listen. Thanks so much for having me today, because I know you're very busy, and it's been great to to come back and catch up with you and continued success with it all. Thanks very much. We hope to see you Thank soon. You. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
thanks again to Seamus and Breda and all the Leahy family for having me back on the farm. And as I said at the end of that interview, we wish them all continued success. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks for listening and to my guests, David Fitzgerald and Seamus and Breda Leahy. And until next time, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.